Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown! Yes, welcome in everyone. It's that bittersweet week where the big game is upon us, but also the end of the season, unfortunately, is too. But uh, let, let's look let's look forward with anticipation, fellas. We've got the biggest game of the season to look forward to, so it's all good tonight. Plenty of content to get into. We're going to have plenty of the lads from the full 10 yards family joining us throughout the course of the evening also. But we start the show with the regular Monday crew. Let's welcome the boys in. Tim, how are we, matey? Happy cliche week, everyone. <laughs> happy, happy cliche week indeed, mate. Superb owl week, as you uh, lovely put the tweet out earlier, mate. I was liking some of those uh, owl based playing. I can't believe I didn't get Tawny, t- Tawny Romo. How did I not get Tawny Romo? I put, I put bloody Antonio Brown, for Christ's sake, and I didn't get Tawny Romo. Uh, Kiki Hootie's my favourite so far, I've got to say. I'm, I'm liking a bit of Kiki Hootie. Kieran, welcome in, buddy. How are you, mate? Oh, it feels weird. There's a Super Bowl weekend and the Patriots aren't in it. I feel a bit lost. I know. We're all delighted, mate. I've got to be honest. You're going to get no sympathy from any of us three. I'll be absolutely honest with you, mate. We are all thrilled at that uh, at that being the case. And, of course, Mr. Retro with some retro Super Bowl merchandise behind him. Lawrence, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. i just got to say, I, I almost lost full bladder control last night when I was watching the Pro Bowl Madden game. And there's there's Snoop Dogg doing commentary, <laughs> and um, Keyshawn Johnson tries to field a kick return, fumbles the ball, and then Snoop Dogg's going Neil, Shaquille O'Neal, Tatum O'Neal, Ryan O'Neal, Leslie O'Neal, Neil Diamond. So <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog saying Neil Diamond was just honestly one of the funniest things that I've heard in a long, long time, and and just one. One other little side note, I've just had an email in the last half an hour directly from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to sell me a Super Bowl ticket, $5,738.50. And I get a ticket, a virtual experience with some NFL legends and a commemorative Bucks gift. So there you go, for just $5,738. Not bad at all, mate. If only we could fly, eh? If only we could fly. Yeah, the Pro Bowl. If the Pro Bowl did anything this year, fellas, I think you probably highlighted how good the normal Pro Bowl actually is because, good Lord, that was awful last night. 32-12 to the NFC, if anybody remotely cares. There were, there were two highlights. There were two highlights for me. One, Marshall Lynch broke his chair when he intercepted a, a pass or something like that. And then the other one the other one was when uh, Nick Hopkins on the game caught a pass. And then I think it was it must have Marshawn Lynch said, "Oh, the, the, hey, Deshaun, there's your boy at it again." <laughs> if, uh, if as someone who has hundreds of hours in every single Madden, Madden still sucks. Madden still sucks. Yeah, it does indeed. It does indeed. Let's get on to real life football, though, fellas. And before we start flipping the switch to the Super Bowl, a couple of um, things just to catch up on. Obviously, we talked about Deshaun Watson there a little bit. He was one of the players participating in the virtual Pro Bowl. He's been in the news this week, as have the Texans. 
uh, hiring David Cully, the Ravens assistant, obviously the man that was on everybody's head coach in uh, search lips, not. Um, but interesting press conference. He's a Texan. He's going to be a Texan when talking about Deshaun Watson. Don't think Deshaun Watson necessarily got that memo as obviously he has now officially requested his trade. There'll be plenty of time to talk about where he might end up, fellas, and what the price may be. We'll talk about that in subsequent weeks. But obviously there is some actual real life news not rumors in terms of a quarterback trade and a big one that went down over the course of the weekend we are of course talking about Matthew Stafford traded from the Detroit Lions where he himself had requested a trade going across to the LA Rams uh, the Rams giving up a fair bit it would seem from the outside looking in uh, giving away multiple first rounders, a third rounder, and of course, Jared Goff, who in theory becomes the Lions quarterback. We'll wait and see how that plays out or whether he actually ever does play a game for the Lions. But uh, Lawrence, why do you think that potentially the Lions have won this trade, if indeed we can call a winner at this early stage? Okay, well, it's clear, let's be absolutely honest, in terms of the immediate talent exchange Matthew Stafford is a superior passer to Jared Goff. We we know that. There's no point arguing that. But for me, the long-term implications favour the Lions. They've acquired a quarterback. Let's 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 before we put full hate onto Jared Goff, let's let's just have a little look at a couple of things that he has done. He has played in a Super Bowl. Yes, he was goddamn awful, but he's played in a Super Bowl, so he's got that experience. Um the Rams themselves will not have a first round pick until 2024. And they've only had one since 2016. So that's just insanity. Um, Goff um, actually had more completions and more yards per game than Stafford did in 2020. And he would have had more yards, but Goff only played 15 games. In 12 seasons, Matthew Stafford has appeared in three playoff games, 1-0. In a third of that time, Jared Goff has appeared in six and won three. Um, and I'd argue that Jared Goff is the single most under-the-radar player in NFL history to have back-to-back 4,600-yard passing seasons. He's actually won 42 out of his 69 games. So, I know that, that Kieran's going to love a 69 statistic. So, you know, that was especially for him. Um, so he's, he's won 60% of the games that he's played, which isn't disgraceful. And, and aside from that, aside from his rookie season where he didn't win a game, Jared Goff has had four consecutive winning seasons and he's already been to two Pro Bowls. So I know we're going to be talking about how, how amazing this is for the Rams and Matthew Stafford. But I've got a bit of love for Jared Goff. I don't think he's as bad as everyone's making out. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that, mate. And I think you've only got to rewind the clock back, you know, 12, 18 months. And he obviously got a new contract. You know, everything seemed quite rosy in LA, didn't it? It's obviously gone a little bit south this year. I don't think there's any denying that. And obviously at the back end of the season... Um, you know, in a quarterback battle with a, an unheard of John Wolford, and you know, potentially that was allegedly going to be the case heading into training camp. We'll never know that now, obviously, because the trade has gone down. But Kieran, from the other side of this, you know, obviously, like I say, the Rams giving up a lot. They're obviously looking to win now. You know, why do you think the Rams have won this trade if we're declaring a winner today? Stafford's never had a good defense. 
And with this Rams defense that he's got now, they are immediately Super Bowl contenders. He's got competent coaching staff, a decent amount of weapons, and a, an amazing defense behind him, which I think elevates the Rams to at least maybe uh, NFC Championship game next year. But the most important part of this trade is the Rams got out from that horrendous contract they decided to award Jared Goff off the back of let's be honest, completely average play uh, beforehand. Uh, and the biggest impact, just for the record, Arsenal fans are going to be fuming that Kroenke's actually made a move for one of his teams and it wasn't Arsenal, which is yeah. is going to annoy half of their fans. Uh, it's going to annoy every Arsenal fan I've ever met. But um, Matthew Stafford has consistently been the most underrated quarterback in the league year after year after year. You look, he he makes fantastic plays week after week after week, and the same plays he makes when they're made by people like Patrick Mahomes are making it on Sports Center and have got the you know the announcers stroking each other off over it. Oh, it's so good! Oh, he's, he sounds like a frog. So, I think now in this big market where people actually care, people are going to look at him as the amazing quarterback he is, and I think he's going to have potentially over the next three years, an MVP season, at least one NFC Championship appearance, and probably a Super Bowl. If, if this team... Look, they're a ready-to-go team. They just needed someone to plug into the offense because, you know, what, your option at Quark is a guy called John Wolford, who sounds like he works in a bank, then you've got a bit of a problem. So... This immediately makes them contenders. And let's not just say it's not all Stafford. Let's make a point of that. It's not all Stafford. That defense needed someone to go on the field and score points. And if anyone remembers a game from a, a decent amount of years ago when the Lions needed a touchdown and an and a extra point to win, and Matthew Stafford threw that touchdown with a dislocated arm. It was hanging out of its damn socket. And he went back on the field and he threw that. And the only serious injury ad was his back broken half because he was carrying a team for like 10 years <laughs> so that's how it broke that is confirmed by his doctor by the way inside sources <laughs> confirm that but he is so talented and they finally put him on a team where he's in a position to win and, and i think if he doesn't win a super bowl it will be the most unfortunate thing to ever happen to him since he got drafted by the Lions. But, you know, I fully believe Stafford is good enough to lead this team to the promised land for the first time since part-time quarterback, full-time shelf stacker came in. Greatest show on turf. Yeah, I, uh, I, for what it's worth, I actually think you know both teams probably get what they want out of this trade, don't they? I don't, I don't think it's a bad trade either way, to be honest, whichever way you look at it. The, probably the biggest winner, Tim, we'll circle back, is, is Deshaun Watson in all of this, or the Texans, because if that's the price for Matthew Stafford, again, we, we've got plenty of time to talk about this, mate, but boy, oh boy, that price tag just went up surely, didn't it? Yeah, and just just a record, I'm astounded that um, Kieran's reference to Patrick Mahomes didn't include the words ketchup and steak on that one. But we won't, we won't, we won't, <laughs> we won't circle too much on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously part of the part of the deal and why it looks so astronomical on paper is because essentially it's a Brock Osweiler 2.0. It's a salary dump, and like Kieran said, it's just. <laughs> the NFC Brock was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at all the other teams and what they they offered for Stafford, I think Carolina was what um, their pick, their pick at what eight or whatever. And um, 
I think a third pick or third round pick or something. I think it was basically the equivalent of like a, a third or fourth overall pick or something. So um, yeah, the main the main reason it looks so I I, I googling on on first look is obviously because they're, they're they're getting rid of uh, of Jared Goff and you know, if you're Jared Goff, I, I, I don't know what you think. But yeah, yeah second back to Deshaun Watson. Like I say we we kind of know what the the asking price is always being flown about on all over social media. It's, you know, it's a couple of first firsts and maybe you know a player coming back and. Um, you know, David Cully said, obviously, he's the, he's the new head coach there. He He's obviously come in and said, you know, he is the quarterback. And, he, you know, when I came into the job, you know, Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. And, you know, he signed, signed an extension last year and for four years. And if, you know, if they use the franchise tag on him, they essentially have him till 2028. So uh, as much as Deshaun Watson wants to kick up a fuss about it, um, it's not really up to him. I know that his agent's going to be calling all thirty-one other teams, um, including Kansas City. I joke, of course. Um, yeah, he's going to be—he's going to be calling the good three quarters of that league, uh, league's cheap front offices, and trying to to get him to, to part ways with a, a few. Uh, a few picks, but David Cully himself, um, yeah, again, another massive eyebrow raiser in terms of you know, there's been a few a few eyebrows uh, raised this offseason with some of the head coaches. And I mean, you know, when you take the assistant head coach, uh, wide receiver slash passing coordinator of the Ravens, you know, the passing game that they all want in their in their front offices, um. <laughs> I mean, what's, what is the world coming to at the end, at the end of the day? But he's, he's been an assistant head coach in KC back in, you know, he ended that, that tenure in 2016. So he has been to a good passing team as well. Um, by your tongue, Lawrence. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a surprise that Deshaun Watson requested a trade uh, kind of pretty much the day after, wasn't it? And he said that he's come out and said, or you know, well, rumours have it that he's... Uh, his mind hasn't changed, and yeah, David Cully's not going to change anyone's mind, is it? Um, so, but yeah, I don't think the price tag probably changed too much because I think everyone appreciates it as a bit of a salary cap uh, dump uh, to to Detroit, and uh, yeah, like you say, deal that works for both teams. Fair dues indeed, mate. Let's move it on then, fellas. There's plenty of time, like I say, we can talk quarterbacks throughout the course of the off-season. But there is one final game left, of course, in this, the 2020-2021 NFL season. It is, of course, the big one. It is Super Bowl 55. Uh, we never thought we would get there at certain stages throughout the course of this season, but we seemingly will do. Um, and, of course, we have got the Chiefs defending uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Lawrence... Talk us through both these franchises in terms of their history in the Super Bowl with your retro head on. Um, obviously, Casey, as I say, defending. Been a while since we've seen Tampa here, though, but take us through both teams throughout their history in the Super Bowl, buddy. Sure. Um, just kind of taking it back one game, but I'll be very brief with it. Buccaneers have been to four NFC championships, obviously winning 2002 and 2020, losing back in 1979 and in 1999. Um, and in their first two NFC championships, they scored a combined six points. So obviously, seeing Tom Brady's first touchdown drive in the NFC championship um, that's just happened eclipsed what they managed to not achieve in their first two NFC championships. So I found that kind of um, interesting when he would they just marched straight down the field, first drive, touchdown. Chiefs have been to six AFC championships, winning in 66. 69, 2019 and 2020, and they lost in 93 and 2018 to none other than Tom Brady. So this is the second Bucks Super Bowl and the Chiefs' fourth. The Bucks are one of only four teams in NFL history to remain undefeated in Super Bowls. So they're, they're 1-0. and um, Bucks, two Super Bowls in 45 seasons, 1-1. 
Chiefs four Super Bowls in 61 seasons, 51 in the NFL and 10 seasons in the AFL, where they actually won two championships. So they've won two Super Bowls. And they also won an AFL championship back in 1962 when they were called the Dallas Texans. So there we go. Little small little stat here. Average margin of victory for the Bucks, it's 27 in their one game. And for the Chiefs, it's 13 and a half is their margin of victory in their two wins. So the Chiefs first appeared in the first ever Super Bowl in 1967 before the game was even called the Super Bowl. And in fact, if it wasn't for the Chiefs, we might have had the 55 Ultimate Bowls or 55 Premier Bowls. Um, they were names proposed in 1969 because Commissioner Pete Rosell at the time wasn't sold on the name Super Bowl. And Super Bowl itself came from the Chiefs owner, Lamar Hunt, observing his kids playing with a Super Ball, a bouncy ball that was created by a chemist called Norman Stingley. So Lamar Hunt not only gave the Super Bowl its name, he also went on to have the AFC Championship named after him in, in retrospect in 1984. So following their 1967 beatdown for the Vince Lombardi Trophy, um, and then they, which they lost to the Packers, um, they actually tied the game early before losing by 25. The Chiefs took only three more seasons to get back to the Super Bowl, and in 1970, the Chiefs quarterback Len Dawson returned to help the Chiefs earn their first title. They actually went 16-0 up against the Minnesota Vikings at halftime, three consecutive field goals and a five-yard Mike Garrett run, which you might not remember the name of the player, but you've probably heard the name of the play, which is the 65 Toss Power Trap. So if you've ever watched any of these old NFL films and you see Hank Stram going... We, we just might break it open, might break it open. 65 toss power trap, 65. And, and it's a classic. So if you haven't seen it, watch that moment. Um, it's a pretty anticlimactic second half. The Vikings got a touchdown, but MVP Len Dawson found Otis Taylor for a 46-yard score, sealed the game in the third quarter, and that was that. Um, I'm not going to say much about Super Bowl 54 because it was only a year ago and hopefully everyone was watching it. Um, but it was a half a century gap between the Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl and winning their second. And, and just as a reminder, they were down by 10 points in the fourth quarter before ripping off 21 points in the last seven minutes. Mahomes obviously winning the MVP with two touchdown passes and, a, and an early run. Um, and then if we go on to the Buccaneers, um, you might not know this, but they joined the NFL in 1976 and were originally placed in the AFC West. Um, they lost their first 26 games as a franchise before turning their fortunes around in 1979, won their first division title, upset the Eagles in the divisional round. Um, and at one point, their defence, their entire defence was called for unnecessary roughness. Not a player, the entire defence. So they got to an <laughs> NFC Championship. They held the Rams without a touchdown, but they managed zero points themselves. Doug Williams and Mike Ray combined for four completions in the game. Four completions from two quarterbacks in a whole game. My goodness, it's like the Denver Broncos of earlier this season. Um, the Bucks and the Rams, bizarrely, they met 20 years later in another defensive slugfest. Rams um, won that again, 11-6, beating Bucks rookie quarterback Sean King. 
And then Tampa Bay finally reached their first Super Bowl in 2002, smashing the Eagles on the road before facing the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowl 37. Bucks defense crushed the Raiders. They got five interceptions of Rich Gannon, returned three for touchdowns. Safety, Dexter Jackson won the MVP for two first-half pickoffs that he, neither of them that he took to the house, but two, two kind of momentum-turning interceptions. The Keenan Marcardell, the veteran receiver, caught two touchdowns from former London Monarchs quarterback, Brad Johnson. And the game's leading rusher on the day was actually Michael Pittman, the father of Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie Colts receiver. So kind of bringing it from back then to now. Um, the, the Buccaneers held the Raiders on the game to 19 rushing yards and they had five sacks. And this is a Buccaneers team that had arguably one of the greatest defensive units ever. Warren Sapp, John Lynch, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, and their nickelback, Dwight Smith, became the only defensive back in Super Bowl history to take two interceptions to the house, the latter in the final seconds of the game. And Dexter Jackson remains the last defensive back to win an MVP award and is only the, first, only the third defensive back to do so in Super Bowl history. So there we go. An excellent, excellent whistle-stop tour, mate, of the uh, the history of these two franchises in the Super Bowl. If you like your retro stuff, you'll see scrolling across the bottom of the screen all our coverage throughout Super Bowl week, including on Saturday, a very special interview that Lawrence has conducted with one of the members of the press that votes in the Hall of Fame uh, ceremonies, which obviously will be happening in and around the Super Bowl weekend. So keep your ears peeled for that one. Should be a good one if you like your retro side of things. Let's bring you back, though, fellas, to the modern day before I kick you boys out for the time being. And we'll talk with the rest of the, the crew around some of the other players and the other storylines to look out for. But obviously, a lot of this will be made about the quarterbacks. You've got, you know, the greatest of all time, or arguably, I'm sick of saying arguably, you've got the greatest of all time on one side of the field, and you've got the, you know, potentially the Tom, best Tom one. Brady. Yeah, you've got the best guy at the moment, um, you know, that's that's obviously just about making his way in his career. But Tim, let's start with you, and let's talk Patrick Mahomes. Why does he need to win it, and, you know, what will it prove if he does do just that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You posed that question to me, and obviously on the rundown, and I was, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, what does like does Mahomes? Why does Mahomes need to win it? It's, it's actually quite not a lot to cherry pick. Um, I, I did come up with a few. I, I think um, once you've won one, you always want to win two, don't you? You don't want to be you want to be up there with the uh, the Troy Aikmans, the Joe Montanas, and and all the rest of it. And you know, the player, players that have won back to back Super Bowls. Uh, you know, you don't want to be there with your regular Joe Flacco's and all the rest of them. So. Um, He'll also want to do it because it's obviously he's he's probably got a target in his in his head to surpass Tom Brady. It's obviously easier to surpass six than it is seven if he loses, uh, obviously on Sunday. So uh, that's that's something. You see how much how many how many shores I'm I'm grasping at here. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'll also probably answer a bit like I probably get a bit of heat for this, but was the first one a fluke? Now. I know that he is going to be a quarterback that we talk about for years and years and years. But like you say, as someone mentioned a bit earlier, they 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 scored 21 points in that fourth quarter and were 10 points down. There is an element of luck to be able to to kind of pull yourself out of the fire from that. And I know we've seen you know loads and loads of instances of Mahomes pulling it back from from a large deficit in, in the playoffs, which is a sign of obviously a, a, you know 
uh, a, a potentially Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, but I think as well, like depending on obviously how it plays out, I think it would probably just quash the the 0.0001% that maybe think that they were a bit fortunate to win last year. And it kind of just cements that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is here. Because once you know, like I say, once you've won one, you want to win two. And if you've only ever won one, you kind of think, well, you know, you know, if you, if you imagine a, a, a universe where from this point, Patrick Mahomes never wins another Super Bowl. I don't think that will ever happen. But if it did, you have to then think, you know, 10 points down in the fourth quarter, pulling pulling a fourth quarter comeback out of his backside. So you'd, you'd have to kind of be, be a bit tarnished, wouldn't it? So I think that would probably be um, something that he'd, he'd want to get done as soon as possible and then get onto three, four, five and, and say, and and catch up to Brady. Um, and as I say, if you win the second one, generally you're going to be probably be in the Hall of Fame, aren't you? Um, and I, again, I don't, I don't think... There's many other things that, that reasons why Mahomes will want to win. Obviously, p- apart from for Andy Reid for his team and his state, you know, to get a better Patrick Price at State Farm. Um, yeah, um, and I, I think as well. I think, I think as well, what it will do is because um, again, last year they weren't necessarily expected to to win. Uh, as much as they are this year, this year they were kind of like, okay, here we go. Mahomes is taking over the league now. The, the weight of expectation was far greater than it was last season. So I think um, being able to, to deliver, I know he's delivered time, time, time again under under pressure, but I think this one will kind of be the the, the, the pinnacle of, of Mount Everest. Yeah, I think he's certainly adept at coming back from uh, big deficits. It seemed to be a theme of the playoff run last year, didn't it? And uh, like you say, I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time we're talking about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Um, Will he ever get to the sort of numbers that we're talking about with the guy on the other side of the field? Um, It seems impossible to think that. It probably will never, ever happen. We'll probably never, ever see another one quite like him. And Kieran, you've obviously had the pleasure of watching him do it for your team year after year after year. There's obviously a lot more in terms of the storylines that they probably aren't even there and people want to make these out to be storylines heading into this one. So talk us through what it means for TB12. I'm not going to sound like Skip Bayless right now because your boy's so cold, they call me Drip Bayless, Wave Chappelle. And the last time I spoke about something this passionately, Bo Pelini got fired. So Tom, Edward, Patrick, Brady... Patrick Mahomes is 100% named after him and not his dad. That too after his name is because he's always going to be second best. But Tom Brady, he is 43 years old in his 10th Super Bowl, going for his 7th ring, which, just for the record, no franchise has ever achieved, let alone a single player. And he has transformed the Tampa Bay Suckaneers into an actual contender. And this is bigger for his legacy because I think Bill Belichick, I think everyone will agree, has cemented himself as the greatest coach in NFL history and of all time. I think that's established as a fact. If you disagree with me, go get some hot dogs. Right I'll now, bring Vince Lombardi with me. Never heard of him, mate. Never heard of him. His hat was shit as well. Uh, Looked like he was a reporter from the 20s. Vince Lombardi, see? No, I don't want to hear none of that. Tom Brady is trying to establish that he was great outside of the greatest system ever in football. The New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. Now, let's not get it twisted. Brady will always be the GOAT. But... 
if he can beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl with, a, you know, a team that was better than Patriots teams that he won the Super Bowl with, but a couple of years when we had like Randy Moss, Tyler, and those sort of guys, this is it for him. I, I, I think if he wins, I think he should retire. I know he says he wants to play more, but when you got Bunda like Giselle back at home, I'd hang him up personally. What he needs, if he wins this, his 10th Super Bowl, his 7th ring, what have you got left to play for? Like, what's the point anymore? Bro, I get bored after two seasons on Madden, and this guy's on his, what, 21st season, his 10th Super Bowl? Man, this is, he's just playing for legacy at this point. He doesn't need money. He's already rich beyond his wildest dreams. His wife's richer than he has. He's He's got multiple houses. His wife's Brazilian. He's got <laughs> it made. He's dating a Brazilian supermodel and he's out here risking brain damage. The man just wants to play football. He is insanely good. And like I said, I've not, I don't feel this passionate about anything like Fire Bo Pelini. So he is the greatest football player Bar none. Whether he wins this game or not, if he wins this game, he just proves at 43, his testicles are so huge, he's going to need a separate truck to carry them around in. Can I just can I just make a, a minor point here? That if the Chiefs win, and we know that they are favourites at the moment, if the Chiefs win... Tom Brady's legacy will have on on the side of it four Super Bowl losses. Four Super Bowl losses. That how is many, not a how goat. How many quarterbacks can say they've made it to four Super Bowls? That is not a goat. I'm Once just again, telling you. Tom Brady. Terry Bradshaw, 4-0 in Super Bowls. Joe Montana, 4-0 in Super Bowls. Joe Montana, let's just remind our listeners how many interceptions... Jay Montana threw in four Super Bowl wins. Let's just remind ourselves. Will that be zero? How, how many yes. rings does Tom Brady have? Just two more. <laughs> just two okay. More. So he has. How many two more seasons more. has he played more, more than Joe Montana? I'm just, uh, I'm just gonna go. A lot more. <laughs> it's irrelevant. A lot more. If, if Joe I'll Montana was the GOAT, he could so have carried the law of averages. He's he's played more seasons. He's had more, of averages. This more is opportunities. This is look. I know he's got a noodle arm. I know he's only used to flat, throwing balls to five foot five wide receivers who've just finished their shift at Walmart. But he is the goat. It's irrelevant how many times he's played. Law of averages don't count in football. You so imagine if I'm like, away. oh, law of averages. Six that means if I play in a hundred Super Bowls, four. I could potentially eleven. No, he's the most talented player ever. ever. When you, when you've got just throwing that out there. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, fellas. I'll tell you what I'm going to do because it's time to it's time to move on, and we're going to bring some of the other boys in. I'm going to I'm going to drop you boys backstage and let you have your argument (laughs) off air. How does that sound? For the time being, fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure as always on a Monday night. But for now, it is goodbye from Kieran. It is indeed goodbye from Lawrence, and it will indeed be goodbye from Tim. And that just leaves me on the screen. So I'll best get some company in with me. And let's bring in from the family, Mr. Lee Wakefield and James from the fancy side of things. Boys, how are we this evening? Ah, not too bad. (laughs) 
Good man. Enjoying that little argument there, were we fellas, in the backstage room? Got kind of heated there, didn't it? It did did a little bit. It did a little bit. (laughs) We could just see them all off camera now, just throwing fisticuffs at each other (laughs) off off screen. But uh, yeah, the the boys will be back a little bit later on. Watching virtue of fire in this bottom corner. (laughs) (laughs) Right then, fellas, let's move the conversation along. Like I said, there's going to be plenty of talk around the quarterbacks in this one. But uh, Lee seems adept with you being the uh, the man from the college branch to talk about the rookies in this game because I think the rookies overall this season for both of these teams have had significant contributions. We talked about Green Bay a couple of weeks ago and the fact that that draft class has essentially contributed nothing. That certainly can't be said for these two teams, can it though, mate? It can't, no. Um, yeah, significant rookie contributions, as you mentioned. So, kind of take it team by team. Um, not going to go for every pick, so don't worry, I'm not going to kind of bore everyone with that. But just kind of the headlines, really. You know, Tampa Bay, what a draft class this has been, especially at the top. You know, they've got great value uh, with the early picks. Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr. Just <laughs> wasted no time after they getting getting into the league and making the mark on it. You know, making significant contributions um, throughout the whole season, really. And, and I'm going to mention uh, Wirfs a little bit later on, I feel, um, as well. In the mid-rounds, obviously, a little bit more underwhelming, but obviously what you're going to get from mid-round guys. But I feel like Keyshawn Vaughan has got a future in the league, for sure. He's definitely shown flashes. And uh, Tyler Johnson, the, the Minnesota wide receiver that they, take, that they took, sorry, um, has, again, been finding his feet lately. And I feel like he's got a real knack to come up with like a big catch and a big moment. He's got great hands. And no better place to do it otherwise, you know, other than the Super Bowl, really. So, um, although, you know, we're going to talk about Tampa Bay's weapons and things like that, and he's way down sort of on the depth chart. But I feel like in a big moment, I feel like he can come up with it. And, uh, you know, if we're going to be talking about big game moments, like I say, it gets no bigger, does it really, than this? So, yeah, some fantastic contributions headlined by Wirfs and Anton Winfield Jr. for the books. And, uh, yeah, they're going to play a big role uh, moving forward into the, the game on Sunday. On with Kansas City, it's not really gone as planned at the top too much, has it? You know, Edward Zelaire's shown flashes again. He's been all right. But he's not really set the league alight as much as, you know, you would have thought that a hand-picked by Patrick Mahomes running back would have done for the Kansas City Chiefs this year. But they've just got so much wealth to spread around on offence, haven't they? It's, it's been difficult. And uh, it's, it's one of them, isn't it, where they've got so much talent on offense that there is so many mouths to feed. You know, it's a cliche, as Tim mentioned before, it's cliche week, and I'll sort of start with my first one there. Um, but yeah, after that, I think the star of the draft class really is Lejarius Sneed, uh, the fourth round corner out of Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, stats-wise, he's been great. You know, three interceptions, seven pass deflections. But not only that, I feel like he's been uh, the, the Chiefs' best rookie and best um, corner in the whole season. I obviously am a Chargers fan, as I won't you know, <laughs> take too long to mention. And I was to take a little look at the divisional draft classes, and I was quite happy that they didn't address their cornerback room until the fourth round. But I would say that Lejarius Needs had me up with a little bit of egg on my face after thinking that. Like I say, I'm not really counting Tyron Matthew, but I would say he's been their best corner this year. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, lots of lots of sort of star power moving forward. You know, he looks like a real star in the draft. He's going to play... Better than that draft position, he's going to play and exceed expectations already with him. And um, yeah, it's pretty difficult with the Chiefs anyway, because if you're drafting in the 30s in the first round and beyond all the time, then it's pretty hard. But yeah, as you mentioned, mate, it's uh, it's been a good year for the rookies on both of these teams and some stars of the future for sure. 
Yeah, most definitely. And James, if we turn our sort of minds to the the game itself, I mean, we've mentioned, you know, the obvious one. And and to be fair, I felt for the kid because he was almost a victim of the hype that everybody else created for him in terms of of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's obviously coming back from um, a pretty significant injury at the back end of the regular season, obviously got his first taste of the playoff action in the divisional round. I'm sure he's a guy you're probably expecting to see some contributions from come the big game on Sunday. Anybody else? And and obviously, just give us your thoughts on Edwards-Alaire as well, mate. Well, yeah, I mean, seems the logical place to start, but um, yeah, it's it's a bit interesting. Left Bell looks well, highly unlikely to play. Other side, um, <laughs> you'll notice. You'll notice. I've, I've picked the three jerseys of players who play for teams in this Super Bowl <laughs> when they were with teams that this household supports. So, <laughs> spare, spare a thought for uh, a few uh, various breakable objects in this house at some point. But kind of to the thing is the Bucks have got a really decent run defense going, and the Chiefs have basically been you know passing a lot of the time, and you know they've been literally middle of the pack when it comes to the run game, and that's when they've had sort of all hands on deck fit. So I can sort of see the game script already being against Edwards Hilaire really having a major impact. But he'll be there, and he, he has the role because otherwise, you know, you're just going to get empty boxes, and people, mm, well, basically the books, you know, meh, don't care. So um, yeah, it's pretty much on the wrong game. So Edward Hilaire, you know, will be able to take a bit of a back seat, but don't be surprised if he ends up getting a bit of the passing work in this one. So uh, that might be the element he's going to look out for the most. Um, Legarius, I'll stay with the Chiefs for now, but um, I agree, he's been fantastic. He I mean, the injury side did hurt them, but every game he played, they won, um, which was, I believe, nine in the regular season, then all the postseason. So that's there. He is questionable so far, but I believe he should be okay to play. Um, so I think other people have got more up-to-date uh, injury reports than I do at the moment. Um, but the Chiefs have been fantastic against Rose receivers, so I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets an interception in this game. So keep an eye out. Um, say. Lee's done a good job talking up worths already. Um, just one little, well, it's not really a stat. I, I tried to come up with something accurate and it really wasn't working. But uh, Tom Brady's been sacked 26 times this season, which I believe is in the sort of top 10 best in terms of, you know, least amount of time sacked for a starting QB. Something along those lines. But effectively, he's done well. And if you go by... Um, how many times it's been sacked per game? Mahomes and Brady have got basically the same number, which is pretty much testament to both offensive lines, I think. And worse has been a massive part of why that Bucks offensive line has worked so well. Um, Winfield should have a solid job in safety. It's another one where he's questionable, but hopefully due to play. Tyler Johnson is interesting because uh, referring to the other jersey behind me, Antonio Brown is another one who's unlikely to play, I believe. He's questionable, but we're saying it's unlikely, I think. So he sort of steps up to that wide receiver four role, but he seems to me to share the wide receiver three with Scotty Miller sometimes. And if Brady opts for the long bomb, it's quite often Johnson that gets on the end of it. So that may be one thing to look out for, actually, in the Super Bowl. Tyler Johnson may just find himself on the end of you know, a long play for a touchdown. So it could be an interesting one, especially in the betting markets as well, if you just fancy a long-range punt. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. He was the guy that was actually on the end of the, the pass interference call, which was obviously one that uh, a yeah. lot of people were up in mm-hmm. arms about. So, yeah, like you say, he does see a significant amount of work, doesn't he, in that third or fourth wide receiver spot. Let's turn our attention, fellas, to defence, um, particularly the books. I think, you know, that's been something that's been talked about as being, you know, a strength of the unit. Todd Bowles, wherever he seems to go, seems to be able to put a good defence together. Um, and certainly... Um, you know, it's, it's been the star of the show, hasn't it? As much as, you know, Brady gets the accolades and, you know, obviously he obviously plays his part in that. I think it's safe to say that the defence was really the winner, um, certainly in the divisional round, Lee, against the, the, bu- against the Bucks, against the Packers. Um, and they've certainly been good, you know, so who should we be looking for from the defensive side of the ball on Sunday? Well, as you, you set me up perfectly, Sean, to be honest with you. You've, you've talked about Todd Bowles and he just does put together such a good unit, doesn't he? You know, he got bombed out of Arizona a little bit um, when he was head coach there, but came back sort of doing what he's doing now and he's put together a fantastic unit, a really well-coached unit. And, you know, the books have gone after it by, you know, drafting well, as you mentioned earlier, and also getting a few free agents in there as well. So, yeah, excellent altogether. And I feel like if we're going to pinpoint one specific area of this book's defence, as you mentioned it's going to be the defensive line. And I feel like that's where the game's going to be won and lost, if I'm pretty honest, mate. Uh, like you mentioned, we saw how they overpowered the Packers' offensive line. And, you know, generally speaking, I know they were missing David Bagtiari, but generally a pretty good defensive line, all told. Um, and, you know, they just made mince meat out of them. It's some some uh, stump sages, sorry. Um, and they'll be wanting the same um, on Sunday. And I think they can do it. I think they can do it. I think they've got the personnel all the way through, to, you know, on the defensive line, all the way through the defence. But, stress on the offense and you know it's a great offense as we mentioned you know a lot of weapons for the Chiefs obviously a great quarterback as well but I feel like they've got they've got the talent to do it you know Vita Vea coming back uh, at the right time perfect time mm-hmm. off his ankle injury was just enormous for them I think him and Sue and to a lesser extent Golston they provide the push through the middle and then they occupy enough uh, through the middle and enough of the defensive line to make it really easy for JPP and Shaq Barrett to come off the edges and don't forget you know, this is an aggressive defence that allows their linebackers to blitz and you've got White and you've got Levante David, who sometimes do a great job doing that, especially White going through the middle. We know that the Chiefs line, in terms of talent, maybe isn't the best. And, you know, they're missing Eric Fisher. And I don't know if you would have said this a few years ago because he's not had the greatest career, especially after he was drafted so high. But uh, they'll miss Eric Fisher. And, you know, they're a well-drilled unit, but maybe not the most talented unit. So if they're going to be put under the, the stress and the strains and in the fire of this line, this defensive uh, line that the books have, you know, it's going to be a tough night for them. And we know that Patrick Mahomes does a great job of evading that rush by dropping back, you know, half the field sometimes, it seems, before he launches it downfield. And I think he's going to have to play smart because I think this is where, like I said before, the, the game's going to be won and lost in these trenches, I feel, with the books on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mentioned the linebackers. Levante David as well has been one of the best linebackers in the league this year. And, you know, if you're looking at Travis Kelsey, can David cover him? Can they kind of deal with the linebackers? Sorry, can he deal with the linebackers kind of covering him? Again, it's another Titanic matchup, isn't it? Throughout the whole of what we've got here, uh, the whole of the game from both sides of the ball. Um, but yeah, I think they've again, again got the personnel to do it. And you know, kind of a bit of a redemption for the book secondary. You know, they've got a few young corners back there. Carlton Davis, Javel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunting. They didn't have the easiest starts to life in the league, but I feel like they've created a really, really strong cornerback trio there and obviously we mentioned Winfield Jr. earlier who's again been superb so like I mentioned Todd Bowles sort of doing what he does best being aggressive dialing it up and they've got superb players at all three levels of the defense I'll say quote-unquote home field advantage as well no it's not exactly the same even though you know the preparation and 
all the kind of your minor percentages and the psychological effect that it will be to play in Tampa being your own dressing room, things like that. It all adds up. And I feel like the um, the almost the matchup of the game is almost Todd Bowles versus Andy Reid. It's going to be an absolute show. Um, whether they can kind of set the bar low enough for Brady to get over is a different story because obviously, as I mentioned, Mahomes and all the weapons they've got are absolutely fantastic for the Chiefs. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the Bucks defense. Obviously, we know that on the defensive side of the go- of the ball kind of guy. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a show as mentioned. And lots to look forward to uh, for that matchup. Yeah, most definitely, mate. Most definitely. I'm certainly looking forward to it. And let's flip it to the other side of the field then, James, in terms of what the Bucks can do against this Chiefs defence. Um, I think the Chiefs defence, like I say, much maligned a year ago. They haven't had a huge change in personnel. We mentioned, obviously, the moves that they did make through the draft, um, you know, particularly with, with adding um, Sneeding with that um, fourth-round pick has been significant. But a player that's really caught my eye in recent weeks, he's a name that, you know, the casual viewer will know, of course, I'm talking Tyron Matthew. Um, he seems to have really upped his game um, at the back end of the season. He's become a real leader on the back end of that defence, hasn't he, mate? He's the kind of player that needs to be a leader for a team to be successful. And when he's got his head in gear and he's, you know, motivated to the cause, he is solid as it comes, really. And, um, I mean, safety-wise, he's backed up with Sorensen and Thornhill as well, which um, I think each of them have sort of stepped up. They're still overall, you know, over the regular season, they were very much middle of the pack, sort of 16th overall on defence. But um, sort of when you look at it, they're probably a little bit better than the sum of their parts, I think. Um, So, I mean, at the back end, you've got Breland Ward and then the aforementioned Sneed as well. So... Keeping Evans, Godwin, Miller, and Johnson quiet with Brady throwing is is going to be a challenge. Um, and then you've also got to consider the other name above me in Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones as well. You're going to have to deal with as well. But um, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, everyone on defensive um, line side have been, you know, pretty solid as well. I think they've got enough to be able to sort of, you know, neutralize. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be a low-scoring game. I think both sides. You know, they do still have defensive frailties, but you can't say that the defense is like, you know, abysmal to the point that, you know, they're, you know, they're going to have to outscore the opponents. The, the defensive side of the ball is probably going to win the game whichever way. And there are, you know, Matthew is probably the playmaker that you look to to probably get the crucial interception. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Sneak could end up being that player that gets the interception. Um, so when I come back later on, my bold take goes along those lines. So, uh, bit of a teaser to stay tuned for that but interesting yeah. same for me actually <laughs> probably the same stat different player but let's, uh, <laughs> we'll see let's leave, that, let's leave that as a carrot dangling for anyone who's uh considering do i wait to the end please do <laughs> absolutely please do mate we've still got other guys to bring on as well which we'll get to shortly we are going to bring them in in the next segment but boys just before i let you go and lee yourself in particular obviously you announced it on the college podcast um that came out last week and we've talked about the rookies and the impact that they've made in terms of these teams this year obviously teams will be looking to restock their cupboards with plenty of rookie talent and you and the boys got something special lined up mate talk us through what uh, what the plans are yeah, we absolutely have. Um, for anyone who missed it, on uh, earlier on this week, we announced that the Fulton Yards College football team are going to bring you a draft guide for this upcoming draft that will be 
uh, coming up in the spring. Um, I don't know if we've even got a date for it yet, but uh, yeah, the draft will be going ahead in spring and we're going to bring you out a draft guide for it. So yeah, really excited to bring this out uh, from a personal point of view, just before we kind of get into everything. It's something that I've wanted to do personally for quite a while. And the lads who I'm obviously working with at the moment have enabled me to do that. So thanks to them for that, really. Um, along to, you know, being able to do that with the rest of the college team. And I'm really excited. We've got a shared vision and loads of hard work's gone in, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, unbelievable amount of hard work from everyone involved and you know, still a fair bit to go. And thankfully, everything's running um, running, <laughs> running pretty smoothly so far, we say. Touch wood, knock on wood. Uh, I won't say John Gruden, because obviously Raiders guy. But anyway, moving straight on. Um, so anyway, yeah, what can people expect? M- m- less of me gushing, I guess. Um, we've all been beavering away watching, you know, hundreds of hours worth of film on hundreds of prospects, really, so far. And like I say, still some more to go. And what we're going to try and do is put together the best products for a range of people, really. You know, people can expect 300 or so players. We've not actually got an exact number yet. We're still adding people in and taking people away. Uh, but yeah, around 300 players, all of our takes, all of our ratings for everyone. And like I said before, hopefully every, something for everyone as well. Um, we want to be, it to be kind of accessible for those who are kind of uh, draft rookies or college football rookies. Uh, you know, because we were all there once. You know, we were all there once trying to get into this sort of thing and, and you know, wishing had, we had this sort of product available. Um, but we also want it to be, you know, something for the draft veterans for them to get some good value from it as well. So like I say, a little bit for everyone. It's, um, I mean, Rob's been working on the, the design work and, and all credit to him, he's made it a very attractive look um, and it's really, really colourful, so it's great to look at as well. So, yeah, one for maybe younger viewers as well um, and readers, should I say. So, yeah, as I mentioned, loads and loads of information. We've even got a little place where you can put in your own mock draft because everyone loves a mock draft, don't they, when the draft's coming up. Um, you know, so you can be a bit interactive with it as well. So um, it'll be available in a couple of ways, pretty similar to what we did with the season guide. Um, earlier on in the season, the NFL season guide, that is, that we all put together prior to the season. Um, and most importantly, you won't have to pay too much money for it as well. It will be very, very affordable. Um, details to be released in the next coming weeks. So, you know, if you like the sound of all that above, follow at Fulton Yard CFB on Twitter and keep your eyes well and truly peeled, I'd say. Absolutely, mate. I will be pre-ordering my own copy, mate. If you can find the Browns a good linebacker, mate, that'd be much appreciated. Much appreciated. <laughs> Fellas, for the time being, thank you very much for your company. You will be back on in a little bit, so I will stick you guys backstage. And then, without further ado, thank you to these two boys who've sat there patiently all evening long while everybody else has had their say. Let's welcome them in. There we are. They are still awake, ladies and gents. Rob, Andy, welcome <laughs> in, fellas. How are we both? Yeah, <laughs> With with Kieran and uh, and Lawrence going at it a minute you know, like <laughs> a half an hour ago, we could not stay awake. To be quite honest, that was uh, <laughs> television. Yeah, Lawrence has even now t- took to the tactic of actually going onto social media and posting comments now as a viewer just to make his points <laughs> up, ladies and gentlemen. That's how. Lo- that's how low these fellas are stooping, but we'll get those boys back on in a little bit. We'll get them on. We want to talk to you boys about some of the skill players in this one. We've talked quarterbacks. We've talked there with the lads about the defensive side of the ball, and they've mentioned it about the amount of weapons that are on show. And, Rob, let, let's start with you. We've obviously got two of them lining up for the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey. Who have pretty much, let's be honest, been unstoppable all year. You've only got to go back a few weeks and and Tariq Hill was absolutely obliterating this book secondary. Travis Kelsey hasn't been stopped all year. Talk us through it, mate. You know, are they gonna be the stars of the show again on Sunday? Yeah, I think you'd be surprised if they weren't, Sean, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, they're two, what I call Madden players, you know, they they put up silly numbers, don't they? I mean, just looking at the last few games, they put up just just in the playoffs, two hundred and nineteen yards against the Browns. 290 yards against the Bills, the pair of them. Um, you know, they are pretty much unstoppable. Um, 
I think it's going to be the case. I mean, take yourself back a few months ago when the the, the first meeting of these guys happened at Tampa, um, <laughs> where Tyreek Hill absolutely, well, he blew the doors off, didn't he? Um, and poor old Carlton Davis, who was marketing that day, um, got taught a lesson. Um, I can't remember the exact stats. It was over 200 yards and three touchdowns, wasn't it? Something stupid like that. And uh, yeah, uh, he was beating him on the, on the corner routes, he was beating him on the slot in the slot. He was beating him on a wheel route. There, he just did everything uh, that game. Tyreek Hill, and you know, when he's on his game, he's unstoppable. He's so quick and shifty, uh, and they, you've got the perfect complement with, with with Travis Kelsey, a big dude, 6'5", 260 pounds. Uh, you know, in the middle. Um, if Tyreek Hill's not free, Travis Kelsey will be. And that's why they work so well together, hand in hand, um, a one-two punch, if you like. And, and it's just it's just dangerous. It's just so dangerous. And when you've got a quarterback like Mahomes throwing the ball, man, the, the sky's endless. It's no surprise that they're in the Super Bowl. No, absolutely. Like you say, Kelsey's been setting records all season long. And, and I think Tyreek Hill, like I haven't got the exact stat, but you mentioned it was 200 yards. I think it was 240, 250, something like that. But it was like two hundred. It was about 210 in the first quarter, wasn't it? I think we all thought he was going to smash the single game receiving record. He kind of took his foot <laughs> off the gas a little bit, which was kind of him if you're a, a Bucks mm. fan. And the Bucks did make a bit of a comeback in that game. But let's turn our attention, Andy, to the Buccaneers side of the ball. Um, you know, we've talked about the wide receivers, questionable whether Antonio Brown's going to go or not. But certainly it looks as though Evans and Godwin will be a go. They've obviously been leaning quite a bit on Leonard Fournette, who seems Seems to become a different player when it comes to the playoffs. He's obviously been a bit pedestrian through the regular season, but seems to have found his, his best form at the right time. Talk us through who you think are going to be the difference makers from the skill positions for the Bucks, mate. Yeah, no worries. Firstly, I just want to say, uh, do you reckon Rob's a Colts fan with all that? Before we came on air, someone came to my house and just puked Colts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been the Packers if you were here this week, wouldn't it, mate? <laughs> oh, mate, get out. Let's not bring it. Should we go? Show me and you go right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite into that beef, mate. We're all good. We're all good. Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, obviously, loads of different uh, options to talk through Tampa's uh, offense. It's it's some of the, the the best weapons in the league, to be fair, aren't they? And um, for me, the the main guy who I've, I've loved for ages and is one of the most underrated players in the league is is definitely Mike Evans. Um, you know, just a thousand yards every season, consistent with uh, obviously Jameis, who's who's Rob and I's guy. So get, getting that shout there, mate. Um, but yeah, this season he's not obviously has been as dominant on the outside there, but he's just that kind of big time player, isn't he? he? Comes up with the the big third down catches down the field, is the immediate red zone target on the outside. So uh, I, I'm here for Evans. I think he's going to be a huge game for him. Um, it's, it's going to be my bold prediction in there as well. But um, but then if for some reason, the Chiefs just focus all efforts on stopping Evans. Then the other two wide receivers are just so uh, they've got so much ability to dominate as well, haven't they? Godwin in the in the slot is is arguably the best slot in the in the league, um, and you know just a, a chain mover time and again. And, and we all kind of knew that he was going to work well with um, uh, well with Brady, and, and it's it's definitely happened. Um, uh, consistent throughout the year and then you add in Brown who I don't think obviously is the, is the player that he once was um, but he's got that splash playability hasn't he, he gets on the outside uh, dominates when um, when he's taking on uh, the, the man coverage on there so yeah uh, any of them could be could, could have a massive game I, I'm kind of leaning on Evans to, to do that and then like you mentioned um, playoff Lenny's just been in full flow again 211 yards and two touchdowns so far and 102 yards and a touchdown through the air as well Um 
I, I must admit, I'm not convinced by his hands, but he's just such a such a ball behind that uh, that box offensive line, which has taken such a like forward step this year, and and, and that's a shame for Jameis, really, isn't it? Because Jameis could have uh, <laughs> could have done big things behind that as well. So, so yeah, um, I think the the kind of underrated guy here is going to be Ronald Jones. He's obviously been getting back to full fitness after a, a late uh, late injury in the season. Um, and with everyone kind of like hyping Fournette and, and getting behind him, I think Jones could have a big game as well if he gets uh, gets on early and, and has the hot hand because obviously Arians likes to ride that. So yeah, um, it's just a, it's just an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? Really, you don't know where to look. Um, uh, and any of these guys could go off, and, and that's without mentioning uh, Gronk at tight end or or Cambray as well. Yeah, no, wherever you look, there's certainly weapons are plenty for both of these sides. We've talked uh, through some of the sort of big names there, fellas, and obviously, as I said, appreciate your patience waiting in the backstage area. A number of the players have probably been mentioned that you were keeping under your radar for me as the, the guys to look out for as a bit of a surprise package, but I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to, to put your views across. So let's get a couple or one, at least one from each team from both of you. So Rob, let's come to you. If you were looking for an under-the-radar chief, who should we be looking out for, do you think? I don't think he's been mentioned yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna certainly put him in my my uh, DraftKings lineups this week, and it's gonna be Daryl Darrell Williams uh, running back. I know Le'Veon Bell is back, and Ceh has been practicing this week, so there's, there's a bit of crowded backfield. But Daryl Williams uh, has had a pretty good uh, postseason for me. Um, yeah, he's had uh, 92 all-purpose yards, one touchdown. Um, was active last week, 13 rushes for 52 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, it, it, he's a guy for me on the back burner. He's going to be cheap in D, in, in sort of DKs. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think that he's got a chance of having another nice game. Um, but like I said, I know Bell's back and, and CEH is going to be out there. So, so how much opportunity will he get? But I think he's done enough to impress in the playoffs so far to, to get a chance. So hopefully he will and, and he'll take it. Yeah, I thought he ran really well, particularly in the Browns game where he was the featured back. Like you say, he was more the change of pace guy last week um, and he did obviously get that touchdown. But yeah, like you say, he's uh, he certainly earned his opportunity. Yeah. And Andy, let's, let's come to you, mate, just from the Buccaneers side of things. If, again, we're looking for one a little bit under the radar, where should we be looking, do you think? Uh, definitely Cambrai at tight end, um, been a consistent guy for, for Tampa for the last few years, um, you know, really safe hands, um, you know, those kind of chain moving uh, catches and, and, and in the uh, in the end zone as well, he gets open quite well. So I think that, that's the guy there, 149 yards in the, in the playoffs already. And that's amongst that kind of embarrassment of riches I was talking about. Uh, and, you know, he, he's just, he was one guy that I thought it's going to be really disappointing when they sign all these uh, flash guys to play for Brady and he's going to miss out. But He's established himself again. He's just a, a great option to to check the ball down to, and you know he's going to put some yards up on on Sunday. I've no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. One to look out for, like you say, Gronk. He's he's obviously the name, but he's used traditionally more as a blocker. He's almost like a sixth defensive lineman. To be fair, it's almost cheating playing Gronk as tight end, isn't it? To be honest, but um, yeah, Cameron Bright certainly might be the guy to get the, on the uh, receiving side of things. Right, fellas, we're going to bring everybody back. I hope everybody's calmed down in the backstage area, fellas. <laughs> I, I, I hope you can all be. I hope you can all be nice to each other. So let's slowly bring everybody back in. This could this could look quite busy on the screen. Oh, James has got a problem. Look, James is in actually sitting down so that'll be <laughs> well uh, if, anyone, we, if anyone wants to listen to kieran um uh, by the way with a st- 
statement from from college football. Um, go listen to that on the podcast. <laughs> okay, that was well worth it. <laughs> he always brings the passion, does Eric here, and we do love him on a Monday night. Certainly brings plenty of passion. <laughs> so what we're going to do, fellas, we're going to round it off. We've talked really across all aspects of this game, haven't we? We've talked about the quarterbacks. We've talked about the rookies, the defence, the offensive skill players. Quite simply, boys, just going to give you 60 seconds roughly each. You can all see the timer, hopefully, in the top corner. So try and police your own time. I'm not going to pull you up if you go too far over, but try and keep it relatively short and sweet for me. I just want to know, quite simply, who wins the Super Bowl? Who wins the MVP? And give us a bit of a bold prediction for the weekend ahead. So, Lee, I'm going to start with you, buddy. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to go for a pretty close game, actually. Go Tampa Bay going to take it 31-24. to 24. So it's um, kind of feeding into a couple of things. First of all, my MVP um, and my bold prediction. Hope I'm not going to steal James's thunder too much after we kind of looked like we had pretty similar things uh, going on. But MVP, I kind of go for, I'm going to let myself go for kind of two because my actual kind of shout is a really boring one for Tom Brady because as the winning QB, you're probably going to win the MVP award, which, as I can see, is delighting our, <laughs> our friend down there. But I'm going to kind of qualify this as I'm going to kind of give like a, a secondary one, a secondary shout out because, you know, it's boring to say Tom Brady, isn't it? So I'm going to go for Shaq Barrett. Uh, he's got the speed and the bend to cause the Chiefs defensive line all sorts of problems, as I mentioned before. So I'm going to kind of go for a defensive, you know, one for the brand on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we saw four, four years ago, Von Miller won the Super Bowl MVP. I don't know if Brady will be as bad as Peyton Manning was, uh, but it'll be needs a similar sort of performance. Um, and I think it's about time a defensive player won it again. And I'm going to go for a defensive ball prediction as well. I feel like with the, with the score as it is, 31-24, to 24, this game is going to come down to the last play. And I feel that play is going to be an interception that it ends on. Um, so I feel like you know the Chiefs are going to be driving down this, the, the end of the field that they're going for and going for that touchdown. And Brady's going to get a win with a defender stepping up this time instead of it being on the other end of the, the, the story with that one, as it was against the Seahawks all those years ago. So, yeah, bold prediction there um, that uh, Tampa Bay, uh, maybe a defensive star, uh, will step up and also a defensive end to the game as well. Like it, mate. Sorry, mate. I went way over my six seconds then, sorry. That's, that's fine, mate. <laughs> Absolutely fine, mate. I'm liking that as a bold prediction, man. That would be like the ultimate revenge for Carlton Davis, wouldn't it? If Mahomes launches one to Tyree Kill and Carlton Davis picks it off to win the Super Bowl, everybody will forget that 210-yard first quarter very quickly, wouldn't they? So, yeah, it could be a good redemption story. James, I'm delighted that you found your way back to the chair, mate. Apologies for uh, throwing you under the bus nearly there, my friend. Appreciate you've obviously got uh, a little one at home and much more important things than talking NFL. But as you are back, mate, give us your Super Bowl winner, your MVP and your bowl prediction for Sunday. Yeah, it was nappy change time, so I had to, de- <laughs> I had to be dealing with more. Actually, no, let's move on. So, um, no, I've, I've, I've actually gone for the Chiefs to win this one. Um I've sort of originally put 35-31 down because I think it's going to be a close, uh, close but high-scoring game personally. But I just can't look beyond the Chiefs because of how free, you know, one of the most free-scoring teams I think we've ever known, and you know, able to just flick the switch. And last season, showing that you know they they were in a bit of a hole and you know they were up against the university and they came through and they've done it once already. So it doesn't matter what position they're in in the fourth quarter. Even if they're, you know, 10 down, probably even 17 down, I'd still have, you know, faith in them being able to do it, really, to be honest. Um, the usual boring, it'll be Mahomes' MVP because that's just what the league is today. Um, but ultimately, he is the catalyst for that team. And 
is going to be a passing game. And I think, you know, if it's up to him whether they can win the game, but usually if it's up to him, he wins them the game. And my ball prediction is defensive as well, and it does involve an interception, but my ball prediction is either Tyron Matthew or LeJarrius Sneed. Since we talked about them and featured them both earlier, one of them to get a touchdown on an interception. So one of them two to be get a pick fix. So that's my ball prediction. Very good, mate. Very good. Liking it. That's one apiece then, fellas, for the books. One, well, uh, get me words out. Lee for the books. James for the Chiefs. Rob, split the tie for us, mate. Where are you going? Um, let's go for the Chiefs 28-24. A tight one. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really good watch. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, MVP... It's got to be Travis Kelsey. Come on. We haven't had a tight end MVP ever. And I think the season he's had and the records that he's set, it's just going to be a special day. Three touchdowns for Travis Kelsey. That's my bold prediction as well. Nice, mate. Hat trick for Travis. Like it. Very good, mate. Very good. Andy, let's come to you, buddy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'll leave it up uh, to all. Uh, I'll go to the Bucks. Uh, 34-31. I think it's going to be... An MVP performance by uh, Devin White back there. Cindy can uh, playmaker on uh, all phases of the game. I reckon he'll go for a force fumble. I reckon he'll get himself a pick, and I reckon he'll get himself a sack as well. So, big, uh, big performance there. Um, that's not actually my bold prediction, though. Uh, I reckon Mike Evans is going to get a hat trick. I reckon uh, he might not put up a huge yardage, but I reckon uh, once Brady gets inside that 10 yard line, everything's going to be about um, Evans going after Sneed or whoever he's matched up against. Six foot four Evans, six foot Sneed. You know, give me that matchup every day of the week if that's the way it lines up. Uh, so, yeah, Mike Evans going, going for a big one. I'll tell you what, boys, we're halfway through, and if Kelsey's getting a hat-trick and Evans is getting a hat-trick and defenders are returning pick-sixes, I'm certainly tuning in for this one Sunday night, fellas. It's shaping up to be a belter. Kieran, we're back tied at two apiece, mate. Split the tie for me. Bucks, Brady is MVP, or Devon White. Got to show love to the LSU guys who are just destroying the league this year, much to Rob's chagrin, I am sure. I just think the story is too perfect. Patrick Mahomes eats ketchup on his steak. Uh, Travis, <laughs> Travis, Travis Kelsey was on a dating show. Tyreek Hill doesn't have a neck. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks win. He is going to be MVP again. Or, like I said, Devin White. Or, switched it up a few years ago. Julian Edelman. I mean, Scotty Miller. One of these guys. Just trust me on this. And much to everyone's annoyance, Brady's going to get number seven. He's going to go home to his supermodel wife, kiss his son on the mouth with a little bit too much tongue. And there is nothing you can do to stop it. Most furious 60 seconds since I last had sex with my girlfriend. I'm really glad you've called. I'm really glad you've called off in the last half an hour backstage, man. Really glad you've called off. What did you do with the other 45 seconds? We cuddle. <laughs> Lawrence, which way are you going, buddy? Well, just before I say that, can we ensure Kieran is never allowed to drink watermelon Mountain Dew ever again? <laughs> it does seem to have been. It does seem to have been deadly this evening. That's Crazy really juice. <laughs> so I, I am in the what is is a majority now. I've got the Buccaneers as well. I've got a thirty-one twenty-eight. And my MVP is also a defensive player. And I've got 
I'm going to take it back to a little bit of naughty by nature because I'm down with JPP. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> so I've got Jason Pierre-Paul to have three sacks and either one or two forced fumbles. So that's my bold prediction. And I have put my money where my mouth is, all three pounds of it. Um, <laughs> on, And I've got 150 to one on JPP as MVP. So there we go. So, yeah. Right. I've got, and and the reason for it is it's it's not a trendy pick. No one's really talked about it. Eric Fisher is out. They've got to bring in somebody else on that offensive line. So, you know, ripe for the picking. Ripe for the picking. So there we go. I'm down with JPP all Sunday night. Sounds good. Lots of you going defensively here, fellas. Lots going defensively. Tim, are you gonna are you gonna secure the win for the Bucks or are you going the Chiefs to make it four to three? I mean, what's wrong with everyone in this this chat room today? Jesus Christ. Defensive players winning Super Bowl MVPs. What's wrong with you? Look, if you look to the Ben. Anyway. Just because the um, Cowboys don't have a defense doesn't mean uh, excuse, hang on, wait, 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 wait. Tony Romo is in his first Super Bowl this Sunday, right? And he's gonna <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's gonna surpass Tom Brady's total appearances come twenty years time, right? That's all I'm saying. We'll come back in twenty years, we're still going. Anyway, um yeah, Super Bowl uh, <laughs> I really, it's really hard to call. Um, my bold prediction is going to be that it goes to overtime, uh, first and foremost. Uh, I don't know how bold that is. I don't really have overtime Super Bowls, but uh, there we go. Um, Super Bowl, I, I think I'm probably going to go Tampa Bay, if I'm honest. Um, uh, MVP is going to be a quarterback, so unfortunately it's just going to be Tom Brady. But um, the other bold prediction I had as well is that the, the halftime show uh, the weekend is not actually going to be awful. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it will be awful. But anyway, no one's really bothered about that, are they? I'll finish it off then, fellas. I'll make it five to three. I'm going with the Chiefs. I've been with the Chiefs all year long, as everyone that watches and listens every week knows. Don't see any reason to change it. I think it's going to be a cracking game. You boys have certainly wet my appetite in terms of the preview that we've had. Rob stole my thunder. I was going Travis Kelsey as the first tight end MVP for my bold prediction as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just thoroughly, thoroughly looking forward to it. It's been an absolute pleasure, fellas, to have you all on this evening. Hopefully it's not been too clunky for those of you listening and watching along, getting the boys in and out. And hopefully you've caught the attention across the bottom of your screen if you have been watching along to all of the stuff we've got coming up this week. For those of you listening audio-wise, though, here is the plan for the week ahead tomorrow. Tomorrow, already in the can and will be released, is a podcast recorded by Tim and some fellow UK podcasts. Again, discussing the big game with some different opinions on uh, all things Sunday. Wednesday is a very special show for us, a super edition of the full 10 questions, where there'll be two editions of the quiz. Firstly, we'll be getting Hannah Wilkes and Jeff Ryan Ball from Sky Sports NFL on to test their NFL knowledge. And then we'll be opening it up to everybody on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube to watch along and play along, chance to win some prizes. So a really uh, fun episode on Wednesday for us to look forward to. Thursday and Friday, we'll be getting your, all your DFS and betting in a bit more focus. Um, so tune in for those. And then on Saturday, as I mentioned earlier, very special interview that we've done with one of the guys that votes on the Hall of Fame as that ceremony will obviously be taking place on Saturday. So Lawrence has uh, kindly put an interview together for us and that will be released on the weekend. If that doesn't whet your appetite off the back of what we've gone through tonight, 
I don't think anything will do, will it? As I said right at the start, it's always the best week of the season and the most bittersweet week of the season. Uh, obviously, the end is in sight, um, but like I say, it should be a superb game and hopefully me and the boys have done our job in terms of getting you all excited for it with just a few days to go. Right then, fellas, in unison, as we're all together, as one big family, as we always do, in the great words of Mr. Kevin Cadle, it is, of course, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.